Hi everybody, it's Ben Thompson here from the Import-Export Podcast. Today we're talking about the current situation of tariffs, trade wars and the impact that it's having on global supply chains. There's just so much happening right now in the world of global trade. So today we're joined by Brian, who's the co-founder of the Worldwide Supply Chain Federation and Refashion Ventures. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. I'm excited to be here. So, Brian, today I wanted to give our listeners uh, some insight into what is actually going on in global trade right now. Um, there's, there's so much happening, and I want to discuss uh, what the changes, are actually, how they're impacting global trade, and how businesses that are involved in that import-export process uh, can try to minimise the impact that it has you know, to their business. Um, but before we get started, Brian, um, I heard you've had quite a lot of experience in global supply chains. So, um, yeah, just tell me a bit about the experience you've had. Sure. So uh, perhaps a more accurate description is that because of my upbringing, um, I have a broader view of the role that supply chain plays in driving economic growth. I, I grew up in West Africa, uh, specifically in Ghana and Nigeria. I took an operations class in business school at NYU. And then starting in 2014, I started to think about how the dominant companies of our day are companies that have mastered a supply chain. So there's Apple, there's Amazon, there's, there's Alibaba, there's JD.com, there's Walmart. And they all became a dominant because of supply chain and operations. Yeah. I also started to think about how supply chain is both a physical thing, that is, supply chains move uh, physical goods. But I also started to think about how supply chain is also uh, about data and information. Mm-hmm. And then it dawned on me that we're entering this stage in human history where the companies that have mastered the supply chains for data and information can build an overwhelming advantage over the companies that have only mastered a physical supply chains. Mm. And I believe that this could have consequences that uh, are very profound because it could lead to situations in which industries which have been immune to change for a really long time can really be be transformed. Mm. So to give your audience uh, a little more perspective on where I'm coming from. So like I said, I grew up in in West Africa. I did my elementary schooling in Nigeria, did my secondary school in Ghana, came to the United States in 97 uh, to go to college. I studied math and physics. Mm -hmm. I hold an MBA from NYU. I became a chartered financial analyst in 2017. I spent 10 years in investment uh, management and specifically I've spent the last eight years as a member of a team that built a venture fund from scratch to uh, $98 million of assets under management. So I look at the world from the perspective of a professional investor. Uh, I'm very focused on research. Uh, I like to think in terms of frameworks and mental models. And I try to develop a way of thinking that's very general and can be applied to a number of different uh, problems uh, rather than being a very specific. Okay. That's uh, yeah, quite, quite a background. Um, sounds like you, you've done quite a lot of different things um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're right. It's uh, 
this industry is is at, at the start of, of change um, and the, the companies that are that are getting the, the physical and digital aspect of the supply chain sorted are, are definitely going to have a significant advantage so um, so so when it comes to the the environment uh, we're seeing today um, yeah. you know we've got in the past 12 months there's been uh, brexit there's been the potential trade wars between China and the US. Um, you've got tariffs being changed, tariffs being increased and increased and used as negotiating tools. Um, what what impact uh, is is that actually having on global supply chains? Are we seeing any significant impact in, in different areas? Yes. Yeah, so I'll 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 start with. A, de a definition. Uh, people who know me will tell you Brian is always, <laughs> Brian is always trying to define things. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I, I think in order to ground the, uh, the conversation in something realistic, it's important to know what we're, we're talking about. And often when you talk to different people, supply chain means a different thing. Yeah. Uh, to, to each person that you talk to. So the definition for supply chain that I like is one from Martin Christopher in his book, uh, Logistics and Supply Chain and Management. And the definition says a supply chain is a network of connected and interdependent organizations that are mutually and cooperatively working together to control, manage, and improve the flow of materials and information from suppliers to end users. So, at the, at the outset, supply chains were really built in order to facilitate military expeditions, right? So the, uh, the Alexander, the greats of the world, became great conquerors because of their supply chain. But yeah. today, a supply chains exist to facilitate trade between countries. And so um, the, we've gotten to, to this point where uh, products are designed to account for raw materials and parts that might be sourced in one part of the world. Then they might be exported to a different part of the world in order to be assembled. And then they are shipped to another part of the world where the consumers who actually want to use those products buy and use them. So supply chains are, are, are absolutely important. And any actions that make it more difficult for those activities to take place uh, uh, is something that affects uh, supply chains in, in a bad way. So in, in the current scenario in which we're living, you can think of a producer in the United States who is now substituting a major supplier in China with one in some other country, let's say in Vietnam or maybe in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. and. And they have to do that even though the supplier in China is the most efficient supplier that they could be dealing with. So what this does is that one, it makes the physical and information infrastructure that they've developed in China redundant. So that goes to waste. And they now have to source parts and raw materials from a place that might not have the capacity to meet the, the volume that they need, mm. or that is going to cost them uh, much, uh, much more uh, money. So the bottom line is that barriers to trade uh, make the supply chain uh, distorted uh, by forcing people to do things in a less, in a less efficient way. And they make, both, uh, they make both producers and consumers less well off 
than they would have been if there was no uh, trade uh, trade war or, or, or tariff or embargo. Yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay. And so I guess it, it may be too early to tell what are the long-term um, changes, what are, what people and companies will do. Um, is it, are we seeing, seeing any changes in, in freight flows with, with sea freight or air freight or is, is it, is it, um, is it, is it again too early to tell? Well, so, so what you would expect to happen is that once, once companies realize that this is something that might happen, uh, that there's, there's a tariff or there's some sort of trade embargo that's going to come into place immediately they rush to import or export as much as they can. Um, uh, and so in the very short term, you would expect a, a, you'd expect a noticeable increase in the flow of, of freight, right? And, and you would especially, ex you, you'd especially uh, expect to see that increase in air freight. Because um, with shipping, it's a little more complicated. There's really not much that you can do Mm. Uh, to get ships to move uh, faster, although you could increase the volume of of, of of shipping by sea, but it's air freight that is probably going to be the most noticeable. Um, then as you get to the point where the tariffs uh, have been implemented, let's assume that they actually are enforced, then you'd expect, uh, and, and, and in this case, let's focus on China and the United States uh, specifically, uh, once the tariffs uh, come into play, you would expect that freight flows would either decrease or they would normalize. And then you also have to think about the, about the long term. Um, the infrastructure that enables trade is expensive. It can't be put up overnight and so on and so forth. And, and there's a lot that goes into building that capacity. Um, so once it becomes clear that the, the tariffs are here to stay, then companies have to start thinking about, well, if this is going to be a permanent thing, mm. uh, how should I be thinking about my supply chain? Do, do I move my production to Vietnam? Do I move it to other areas of Southeastern Asia? Do, uh, do I move it back home? Because mm. it might now be possible to do that pr production at home. Um, do I move it to Africa? Uh, so. But then the other thing to consider is that this, if if the products that you are, if the products that you're you're manufacturing or producing are advanced and require a lot of skill, mm -hmm. then you don't have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. uh, if the manufacturing that you're engaged in is very basic, you know, then it's probably easy to set up shop anywhere. So it's it's a more complicated question. Uh, than people like to admit, and I don't think there's an easy answer. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so maybe what I'm trying to say is that over the next six to eighteen months, which is what I consider as the short term, uh, you would expect to see a significant increase in, fr in freight flows. After eighteen months, it's difficult to say because then the considerations are much more complicated. Mm -hmm. I hope that makes. I hope that. I hope that makes. I hope that makes sense. It, it, uh, it, it does. It, it's it's a very hard question to answer. I, I agree. This it, it is so complicated. Really, um, there's there's so there's so much that affects um, 
these things around the world and and it's hard it's hard to predict yeah. it's, it's hard yeah, to predict. Yeah, yeah. um yeah. and and yeah like like you said i think um maybe with the current situation of of tariffs and potential tariff increases is is still not 100% confirmed i mean um you know countries can use them as negotiation tactics um, but whether they actually follow through is another thing and, and then might sort of impact change a bit, a bit quicker after that. Yeah, and, and that's what makes this all so, so difficult, right? It's, it's not a, uh, it's not, uh, there is nothing, nothing is guaranteed. Um, mm. So there's, there's politics involved, there's grandstanding, you mm. know, there's saber rattling and whatnot. So it could entirely be that this is just posturing on the parts of the Trump administration in order to extract uh, some concessions from, from the Chinese. Um, it could also be that the Chinese response right now is just, uh, is just grandstanding on their part in order to make it seem like they're not rolling over Mm. to the American uh, bully. So, so, so it's really hard to say it. And the, the difficulty for people who are running uh, companies uh, and doing business around the world is that if, you, if China is really your best, um, your best alternative uh, for sourcing or manufacturing uh, or, or those other activities, then if you act too soon, and make any permanent changes, you've put yourself at a disadvantage mm. uh, in relation to your competitors. Um, on the other hand, if you wait too long, you know, then you could, so it's, it's like being caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think I don't run a big company, but what I would assume is that the, the CEO and his executives and the, um, the people who, who lead the teams that run a strategy for these big companies are considering these things day in and day out, or at least on a quarterly basis. Um, and, and so if, if, you, if you understand that the role of uh, operations and supply chain is to, is to increase efficiency, to increase throughputs, uh, and increase uh, profit while uh, reducing cost, then what you have to do is per periodically you have to make that assessment and decide if staying in China is still the best thing based mm. on all the information you, you have. And if not, then you make a different decision. Um, the, the other thing that can happen too is that you could change the, you could modify the, um, the mix, uh, so to speak. So maybe you're doing, so maybe you've not left China completely, but you're doing more in Vietnam. Uh, and then when things change, you you can reverse you can reverse that action. It's 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 a hard question. Um, mm. When I'm watching t a TV and people give a very specific and precise and precise <laughs> answer, I, I scratch I scratch my head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, sometimes you need that crystal ball. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and with the with the tariffs that some tariffs into the U S now from China have increased already and yeah. um, potentially some, a lot of products could increase from 10% up to 25%. Um, and, and, and like we said, potentially, but yeah. um, say that the, these tariffs do significantly increase. Um, 
how do you how do you think that some of these importing companies will respond to those increasing costs? I mean, uh, do you think <clears throat> will will we see a trend of working towards uh, will they absorb some or all of that cost, or will they pass on um, you know some or all of that cost? Will the end consumer essentially pay pay for these changes? So that too is there's no easy answer. Um, it, de- it depends. So the, the, when you're thinking about passing costs on to the consumer, which is essentially increasing the price, mm-hmm. um, you, you have to make a consideration. You, you have to make that decision by taking into consideration what economists call the uh, price elasticity of demand. Um, and basically, that is this notion that uh, for every 1% increase in uh in price, there is a change in, in demand. Um, and there are, very, there, 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 there are a number of variables um, that you should consider. So mm-hmm. uh, if price is the variable that's changing, then we're talking about the price elasticity of demand. If income is a variable that's changing, then we're talking about the income elastic, elasticity of demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it is the price of related goods that's changing, you know, then we're talking about cross elasticity of demand. And, and, and you can think about cross elasticity of demand in relation to substitute goods or complementary goods. So a complementary good, uh, think of if you're buying a car, you absolutely need to buy uh, some fuel. Right. So, 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 how does that affect things? Uh, if you're, pro, if if you are, pro, if we're talking about luxury goods, um, then you can assume that luxury goods uh, companies producing uh, luxury goods can probably pass those costs on to their customers. Now, because they can pass the costs on to their customers, does not mean that they will. Um, because they operate in a competitive market, uh, uh, and 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 so, um, so it's not it's not clear to me that um, at least in the short term, it's not clear to me that costs will automatically be passed on to the consumer. I think what will happen is that again, companies will take a wait and see approach. If this looks like it's a short term thing and it will be sorted out quickly then it's unlikely that they'll pass the cost on to, to the consumer. They'll find a way of eating those costs. Once it becomes certain that the tariffs are here to stay, um, then the question becomes how much of the additional costs you're bearing can you pass on to the consumer without hurting demand for your product? Um, so, so that again is is there's no easy there's no easy there, there's no easy answer um, to to use an example that's been in the news. I think um, Ryan from Flexport was on TV not too long ago talking about Apple. I'd expect that Apple, a company like Apple, could get away with increasing its prices. Mm. Um, other companies, I do not. I do not know. It's it's this it's this funny thing where Apple goods become more attractive to people the more expensive they are. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> not a bad business to have. <laughs> but, but there are there are very very few uh, there are very few companies uh, uh, that have that sort of brand power. So mm. what what we will see across the board is that um, 
companies will make lower profits and as a result con consumers as well will be less well off mm -hmm. and and how are these changes affecting china's export volumes china's freight flow is it is it uh is it is it decreasing or, or is it having having much of a change on their volume so this is a question that's related to foreign currency exchange rates um, and I'm not going to delve into the details because if I do, then uh, <laughs> your audience will probably fall asleep. <laughs> but it, it, it's 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 really it's really funny by engaging in this by engaging in this uh, in this trade dispute. Um, what uh, is happening is that. Uh, pressure is being put on the uh, Chinese currency, so the Chinese currency is becoming is becoming weakened. Mm -hmm. As the Chinese currency is weakened, people with foreign currency from uh, Western Europe, from North America, and other parts of of Asia, from Australia, from Mexico, uh, the the biggest uh, countries that do business with um, with China. As the Chinese currency gets weakened, products from China become cheaper. Mm. And so suddenly, with the same amount of foreign currency, you can buy more mm. from China. And, and, and so while, while Chinese trade with the United States might dip a little bit, uh, and, and the data so, so far does not suggest that that's happening yet, uh, China's trade with other parts of the world will go up. Mm. Um, and so at least in the near term, I don't expect that China will see a market uh, decline in its exports. Um, and, 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 and that's why it's very questionable if such, if these sorts of trade disputes accomplish the goals of the, uh, of the parties that start them. Because again, it's, it's such a complicated puzzle that no one really knows what the effect is going to be. Mm, mm. Now the, that's a very interesting point, um, yeah. How do you see um, the trends and shifts in in the the future of global trade? Um, like what what are what are the 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 things that you will see change the most um, that will actually affect the supply chain in in say ten years ten years time from that? What what does that look like? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it changes in technology. Is that is that uh, is that going to bring um, you know changes to supply chains through um, you know cheaper manufacturing technologies or, or and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I tell people that I used to be an actuary, and um, and when I and when I started training to become an actuary, uh, I was I was very confident that uh, one can predict the future and make projections and those projections will be correct yeah. and so on and so forth. And I learned the hard way that that is often not the case. So I, yeah. I think, and, and this is re related to what I'm doing now um, with the Worldwide Supply Chain Federation and Refashioned Ventures. I believe that technology is at the point where 
it can make a really big difference in the way that supply chains around the world operate, right? I, I think uh, some technologies are at the state of maturity where they can really make a difference now when they could not do so, um, say, five or 10 years ago. Mm. How that is going to play out is difficult to say. If, if I had to make a guess, my guess is that China specifically will, will be doing a lot more advanced manufacturing in 2030. But I think China will still have the biggest chunk of basic uh, manufacturing at that time, just because of the size of the country, the size of the population, the investments that, that the government has made. Um, and then I think another thing that we will see happen is that certain types of basic uh, manufacturing will continue to chase the lowest common uh, denominator. So, so some of it will leave China, it will go to other parts of Southeastern Asia, to parts of Africa, to parts of South America. Mm -hmm. And then the advanced uh, manufacturing will stay in those areas where there's a combination of the people with skills, uh, the regulatory environment, and the customer base for what for what they're for what they're making. Um, and in order for that to happen, technology is going to have to be part of it, right? So, like I said, the uh, the supply chain for information and data, mm. the supply chain for physical goods, uh, both will have to become much more efficient, much more effective, much more responsive. One thing we're seeing is that many more companies now than before are trying to figure out how they marry the, globalize, the globalization of supply chains with the localization of supply chains. So what you have to source uh, from the global market, you source from the, from the global market, but what you can source and produce uh, locally as close as possible to your, to, to, to your customer, uh, you, uh, you do that as well. And so I think over the next 10 years or so, over the, the next five to 10 years, I think we'll see more of that trend uh, playing out. Mm, mm, interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I, t tell me a bit about uh, the work that you guys do um, the New York supply chain meetup and um, understand that you've, you've recently expanded that into the worldwide uh, supply chain federation. Uh, tell me a bit about what you guys do. Yeah. So, so this started, I think the genesis for this goes back to 2014 when I spent some time thinking about how operations and supply chain um, was really becoming a source of competitive advantage for startups, uh, especially startups in the on-demand, uh, 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 creating the on-demand uh, business model. So this was the peak of Uber, of yeah. Uber for everything. Yeah. Um, in 2017, I decided I wanted to become a specialist a VC um, and that I should focus on supply chain. And at the time I made that decision, I, I, I felt I should be hanging out with two, two primary gr groups of people. So one, the, the entrepreneurs and technologists who are building the new technology uh, to reinvent uh, supply chains and the professionals in companies who would be using these new uh, products. 
Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so that was the idea for the New York supply chain um, uh, meetup. It was to bring these two groups of people. I met uh, these two groups of people to, together. I met my co-founder, Lisa, in 2016. Like me, she's, she's, uh, she's obsessed with supply chain. <laughs> uh, she, looks at it, she uh, looks at it specifically from the perspective of the, of the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, so uh, I registered the New York supply chain meetup on August the 23rd of 2017. Mm-hmm. We had our first meetup in November. 150 people showed up. I thought we would maybe have 20 or 30. We, we, we got more than five times that number. Yeah. Um, and then as we started to have success in New York, people in other places asked us if we could help them uh, start uh, communities like that themselves where they live. Um, and so we're working on that framework. I, I, it's almost done. I should be able to circulate it uh, sometime next week. But, be, but before then, uh, a company in Bangalore called Locus, it's a, lo- it's a logistics as a uh, service uh, platform. They decided to go ahead and start a meetup in Bangalore. And so they launched on November the 24th. Uh, presumably it was so successful that they've uh, mentioned to us that they'd like to launch a chapter in Jakarta uh, in January, if it's possible, um, yeah. and maybe one more besides that. Mm. Now, that's great. I think it's, it's a great thing for the industry in, in every country. I mean, people need to, like you said, uh, they need to come together and be connected and, and work together because, um, yeah. It, it, we are at such an important period of the change within the industry. Um, the more communications, the more open forums, the more collaboration on projects is 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 going to be um, beneficial to everybody. So um, yeah, and, and 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 that's that that's precisely it. The 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 uh, the goal is simple. Let's bring the people who are creating uh, new innovations in supply chain. Mm-hmm. together with the people who would be using these new, uh, these new innovations. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's enable them to talk to one another because the thing about the startups, uh, uh, you know, like Incodocs that are uh, building these, um, these innovations is that, you know, you need early business partners, you need investors, you need expertise, you need community, you, you, mm-hmm. you, you need uh, early customers. Um, and so hopefully this is an environment in which without anything uh, being at stake, you can have a conversation, you can talk about what you're doing, how you're doing it, and so on and so forth. Mm. Maybe you can get some friendly f- feedback, and maybe that is what leads to a more formal conversation about actually doing business with one another. Um, so it, it's a very simple, it's a very simple uh, proposition, but but hopefully it's one that has a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and where can our listeners go to become, <clears throat> become involved? Um, what, what can they do to become involved around the world? So the way we're approaching it now is uh, we call it optimizing for enthusiasm. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it really, what it really requires is someone on the ground uh, who says, this is such a great idea. This is something we need in yeah. our city, um, and so I'm going to I'm going to take the lead in making it in making it happen. 
Uh, and what we in New York will do is we'll share what we've learned over the past year. So we've, we've now done uh, nine events. We've had more than 100 people at each of the events. Yeah. Given that we've bootstrapped uh, from the beginning, I think it's a, it's a phenomenal sign uh, of what's possible. Um, so once someone on the ground decides to make it happen, we empower them to go do that. Uh, we'll work with them directly. Ultimately, the goal is that each of these meetups should be directly connected with one another, right? So when Brandon was in New York, for example, mm -hmm. if there was no New York supply chain meetup, I do not know if I would have met him. Mm. Um, I do not know if I would have been able to make the introductions uh, that I made. Um, and, and, and the same goes, you can see how as as the network grows and as the networks are connected to one another, it enables people to do things much more easily than, so mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're traveling from Brisbane to, to New York, you either know who to reach out to in order to, to make your trip to New York much more efficient, yeah. and hopefully that person can plug you into other people in the New York uh, community. Um, so, but your specific question was, how do they get in touch? So uh, they can visit the website. It's the world is a supply chain.com. That's the, that's the alias, but hopefully it's easy enough for people to remember. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. The world is a supply chain.com. It's part of our mantra. Uh, if, if they visit that, they'll get a lot of information about what we're doing. Um, and then they can reach out to myself or they can reach out to Lisa. We're easy to find on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. That's another way to reach out to us. Yep. Mm. No, I, I encourage uh, yeah, anybody out there in any different country to that are the enthusiasts to reach out and, and find out how they can can grow this because um, it's, it's absolutely what the industry needs. It's what it's, mm. communication is lacking between um, the technology and, and, and some bigger companies. So, um, it, that's a great thing. So yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, well, well, that's it. Yeah. So thanks Brian. Thanks for your time. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a complicated topic when it comes to um, <laughs> tar tariff changes and global supply chain impacts. Uh, and and we, we, no one knows the answer, and, but, um, but there's definitely, um, quite a lot of change happening and I guess, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what impact it has um, over time. My, my, my guess is that the, this trade dispute will go away. Mm -hmm. I think the trade dispute is going to, to go away. I, I do not think it works to anyone's advantage mm. to have this trade dispute con uh, continue. Um, and so I think I, I think the politicians will the politicians will find a face saving way. <laughs> They'll find a face saving way of making it go away. Um, and, and, and then on the broader question of supply chain and technology, I, I I really believe that supply chain is the biggest investment opportunity of the next twenty to twenty five years. Mm. Um, and so that's why I'm doing, that's why we're building refashion. That's why we're, we're building a grassroots uh, community. Um, cause I think the, cause the, I, I believe that the innovation starts at the grassroots and then, and then it moves and, 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 and then it moves up. Um, and so if, 
you're someone who's listening to this and you believe that, um, you know, then you should join our community and start forming a community in your own city. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's a, it's a, an exciting time. So, yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks, Brian. Um, appreciate your time. And um, yeah, anybody that's uh, keen to get involved, get, get head along to the website and, um, and let's, let's spread, uh, spread the community. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. It was Thanks, great Brian. to talk to you. You Thank too, you. Bye. Bye.